you sound a little a little low to me, volume wise. I'm feeling a little depressed. Yeah. Okay. Well, I can't help you with that. I haven't talked to you in a while, dude. Yeah, man. It's been a while. Been busy. Yeah, same. It's been uh, it's been crazy here for the last little bit, but it's all good. You know, it's just just life. Not a bad crazy. Yeah, not a bad crazy. It's weird. I like sometimes I'll you know. Like my wife will say, hey, how was the day or whatever? And it's like, sometimes the answer is busy, but not stressful, right. just busy. And then sometimes it's like, oh no, it's busy and stressful. Yeah. Um, but lately it's just been busy. That's all. You know, we're wrapping up summer here. So like, it's just been, you know, kind of nuts. Uh, just the kids being around more often. And, uh, but it's been really nice with them not having like homework Yeah. and, uh, you know, all that other stuff, having to drive them to school. It's been nice. So I, it sort of dawned on me like, Oh, in about a week, I have to like start waking up earlier to take them to school and get to them school. to school. Yeah. And like, so I have to wake up even earlier if I, if I want to go running because right. I have to be done by a certain time. It's no longer yeah, like, yeah. Oh, whatever. I'm 15 minutes uh, behind schedule. Who cares? Yeah. Right. No one has to be anywhere. It's just, Oh, all right. It's super important yep. that I'm, punctual correct so cool well anyway he- hello everyone and uh thanks for joining us so yes oh as boy. always or or if it's your first time thank you for listening oh yeah if it's your first time you may be intimidated by the uh the episode number being in the 400s like oh man do i have to go I back and catch up on listen us. to all these our, our podcast is not serialized it is serialized. They have to listen to every single episode <laughs> to get the full context of uh, of our personalities and our our idiosyncrasies. However, we do often repeat ourselves. Uh, so <laughs> that's true. You can, so there's a lot of repetition in there. Just listen to like the last twenty five. Yeah, and uh, and, yeah. and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just listen to the last one. We probably cover every. <laughs> Can confirm. Can yes. confirm. Yep. <laughs> well, uh, we're here today to talk uh, about uh, another movie, a new release, or at a this, new release. Let's talk about Dustin, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Mutant Mayhem. Mutant Mayhem. Boys, where have you been? <laughs> we're just running errands. That's it. Look, we're really sorry, Splinter. Some of the guys wanted to get pizza, and I tried to talk them out of it. Leo! You ratted us out. Hey, don't use that word that way. I mean, it's 2023. Sorry, right Dad. <laughs> hey, guys, if we weren't monsters that were shunned by society and we could do what we wanted, what would you guys do? Go to high school. Maybe get a girlfriend. Can you imagine that? Not likely. This is insane. Turtles, mutant, karate teens. I want to know everything about you. Our dad is definitely not a giant rat. That makes me feel like he's a rat. Police are baffled by the recent crime wave led by a superfly. Nobody's ever seen his face. Why? Because he kills everyone who does. No, not cool. A bit cool. Can I kick it? We take out Superfly, and then everyone will think we're cool. They'll accept us. Can I kick it? He's making a deal tonight under the Brooklyn Bridge. Can I kick, 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 What the? Y'all some little tortoises, huh? I can't believe there are other mutants. You want to roll with us? Humans are never going to like us. 
So we gonna let the mutants rule the earth. Peoples, they got to go. Okay, um, sort of a twist. We can't stop him. We gotta try. Six in the morning, police at my door. My son, Michelangelo, you have heart. Donatello, you have wisdom. Raphael, you have bravery. And Leonardo, honor. Enough talk! I dream about fighting every night. You've got a rage problem, oh, right? It's not a problem! At the time of this recording, it is not out yet. Um, so... I, I happened to just be scrolling the Regal app and found that they were doing a sneak preview screening of it um, oh. in my area locally, just at randomly on a Saturday at two o'clock. And I was like, all right, uh, okay, hold on. So I talked to my wife about it and was like, hey, I mean, you know, it's a, it's like a one-time thing you know it's not like there's multiple show times to pick from it's two o'clock like you know it's the middle of our saturday and she's like that's fine we don't have anything going on and i'm like cool so i peaced out went to see uh my son was was napping so that made it easy and um and i went to to see ninja turtles and um yeah, so for those of you who don't know this exists, which apparently is a lot of people. Really? Um, I've, I've talked to a lot of people who have no idea that this is even a thing. I can't which, escape the marketing for this. Really? Okay, well, <laughs> maybe it's just like if you have kids, you know about this. Maybe. But like maybe if you don't really have kids or you have older kids or something, you're not as, you know, like bombarded with the marketing um but yes so teenage mutant ninja turtles mutant mayhem directed by jeff rowe and kyler spears um written by seth rogan evan goldberg and jeff rowe um and starring a smorgasbord of people um in you know various size roles um most notably here the four turtles themselves are voiced by relative newcomers um and actual young teenagers so we're not even talking like 18 year olds are talking about young teenagers um and uh, and then they're sort of supported by the the larger cast like uh for instance master splinter voiced by jackie chan um and then you have uh folks like hannibal barrest you've got rose byrne john cena you've got giancarlo esposito post malone ice cube um the list goes on there's a whole ton of them um you know and and you know, we, we've talked a little bit about this stunt casting stuff before, um, but I mean, it mostly works here for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, Seth Rogen, Paul Rudd, Maya Rudolph, again, the list just like keeps going on. Just off the bat, general recommendations, and I'm not going to spoil anything here because again, at the time of this recording, nobody's seen this, so I'm not going to go into spoilers, um, but I will say... Um, I liked this movie a fair amount. Um, now I'm a Ninja Turtle fan. Uh, grew up with it and have very fond memories of, you know, hunting for the toys when I was a, a kid and, um, you know, wanting to, to to buy those. Like I remember specifically my grandmother taking me to a uh, there's a local pawn shop near her her house. Whenever I'd stay with her, we'd go to the pawn shop and she'd say, okay, you can get one Ninja Turtle. And they had a big bin of Ninja Turtles at the front, used you know Ninja Turtle toys, um, just like in big mass. And so I'd go over there, pick one out, boom, got a Ninja Turtle toy. And so, you know, I've still got 
uh, quite a few of them um, around the room here. And um, and yeah, man. It, it, so Ninja Turtles runs runs deep. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I did enjoy the movie. I think one of one of its um, key distinguishing traits is that they really leaned into the teenager aspect of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, you know, we're, we're often uh, seeing the turtles and they're kind of like these little hulks, basically. They're just super buff and like, you know, they're, you know, but the teenager part is just kind of, I guess they're kind of fun or funny and they like pizza. Well, in this movie, they are kind of scrawny and kind of, I mean, not all of them, but, you know, they're small turtles and they, um, you know, have these voices by actual young teenagers. So their their voices are cracking. Their voices are, are young and, you know, exuberant. Um, and, and they all have wants that a teenager would want. So one thing that the turtle franchise has kind of never really tackled too much as like an arc for the turtles beyond just like, you know, honor or, you know, responsibility or, or stuff like that. But like in this movie, you know, it, it very much sets up that like Leonardo, one of the things he really wants is he wants to go to high school. He wants to go to prom. He wants to be a normal kid. Um, and so, um, this kind of ta- again just kind of tackles the teenager element of the TMNT in a way that most things don't, um, and so credit to Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg for finding that, you know, that way in, you know, that angle on it um, because you know if somebody had handed me the keys to the Ninja Turtles and said write a Turtles movie. It, it would probably be a lot like what's come before. Um, so I got to give credit to these guys for doing something new with it and distinguishing their take um, in, a, in a pretty obvious way. Um, the animation style, much has been said about this. It's very reminiscent of um, Spider-Verse, um, of those films, and um, like the Mitchells versus the Machines. Um, and in fact, Jeff Rowe, I believe, was a co-director on Mitchells versus the Machines. So he kind of carries that style over into this film. Um, I feel like this is a little sketchier. Like it looks a little more uh, like you can see the the pin lines, so to speak, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool because if you go back to those original Ninja Turtle comics, the Mirage comics that uh, Eastman and Laird created, they were sketchy. They were black and white. They were dark and gritty and grisly and while this isn't i wouldn't say dark and gritty it certainly you know kind of is like a modernization of that feeling um that that those original sketches might have had um i like the designs of the turtles they managed to differentiate them from each other um you know donatello has glasses on michelangelo is kind of short and has like a uh, at one point they compare his head to if stewie had a baby with hey arnold um (laughs) and so that's you know he has a distinguished distinguishing feature there and so when you look at them in silhouette you can tell who is who Um, and this hasn't always been the case so I appreciate that design choice Um, but but most importantly you know the turtles look like the turtles you know if you look at the the Michael Bay produced two films the live action films those turtles didn't look like the turtles they were like I said kind of miniature little hawks they were Shrek hawks and they looked awful and had lips and it was weird and um and so they look like the turtles. 
Um, so overall, um, I, I gave this four stars, but I think maybe I was being a little too generous. So I'm going to land somewhere in between three and a half and four. Um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where I, it's like, if you said three and a half, it's like, well, it's better than that. But if you say four, it's like, well, that kind of makes me feel like it's better than it is. So it's somewhere right in the middle. Um, as far as the story goes, I think the story is is pretty well told. They're, like I said, they give the characters arcs. They manage to uh, tell a good story with a beginning, a middle, and an end without bothering to like set up a world, which they did do. But you know, there's certainly a, a beginning, middle, and end here. Um, there are changes to the lore. Um, I kind of figured as much that they'd want to change some things up. Some of the things are are fine. And some of them are not fine. Um, and I'll give you a little example. So um, traditionally, there there are two origins for Master Splinter. In the original Mirage comics, um, Master Splinter was a rat owned by a ninja master, a ninjutsu master, um, Nehamato Yoshi. And he... He was doused with the ooze and became he became Splinter and just kind of like you know adopted the the movements he saw his master doing um, back when he was a rat. Then the other it's originated from the uh, 1987 cartoon series where Master Splinter actually is Hamato Yoshi. So he was not a rat originally. He was a man originally turned into a rat. So you've got two origins. Either he's a man turned into a rat or a rat turned mannish. And that's... um, that's sort of been the you know which version are they going to use in this version he is the rat turned manish that makes way Um, more sense than the other way around i disagree i think it makes way more sense the other way really yes because yes i can i can i can totally buy the the idea that like you know there are mutant turtles and aliens and mysticism and all this kind of stuff but i find it really hard to believe that a normal rat learned ninjutsu from his master and then gets doused with the ooze and remembers the the the, the ninjutsu he learned when rats he was just a normal Dustin. rat eh, rats are super eh, smart now i would believe eh. it more to your lot to your point maybe if you were a crow okay do you, are you aware of how smart crows are I, I, I smart enough to learn ninjutsu, I guess. <laughs> we'll never know, thank God, because crows are crows are interesting. Just a quick little aside on crows for everyone whose interest is now peaked. Crows, the scientists that like study crows, they have to wear like face coverings because crows are like one of the only birds that can recognize faces. And so they'll mm. like remember which scientist was like experimenting on them or whatnot. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so like, it's like a safety concern (laughs) at the very least. It's like a, it's like a bias. It's like a blind bias control. Like Mm. they're going to remember who's who and that's going to influence the work we're doing. Sure. I think, I think that a crow could learn it. Okay. That, well, maybe, maybe that research wasn't available when this uh, when this yeah, property it, it was, was created. Definitely not. Definitely not. Um, I, I I've seen it, but I've seen as far as like how the ooze works. I've seen it explained a couple different ways. Like uh, because in one in one way, you're correct. It makes more sense that a turtle becomes mannish and a rat becomes mannish, mm-hmm. right? Like that's consistent. But yeah. I've also seen it that like whatever on on the flip side, it's like whatever. Uh, DNA was present on the animal is what it 
merges with. Mm -hmm. So the turtles who had been held and caressed by humans turned human and the and the and the human who had lived in the sewer among the rats became a rat. Um, So either way you slice it, there's there, you know, you could go either way with it like a pizza like a pizza um but here's here's the thing um what what this film um i think fails to do with master splinter in terms of the lore changes um and and again this all happens you know in the very beginning they kind of tell you the origin of everything so i'm not spoiling anything that isn't in the first 10 minutes of the movie they explain that master splinter was just a regular rat living in new york and had no friends, no family. He was just a rat and lived in the sewers and came across the ooze and turned into a man. Um, th- that, but but when he turned into a man, he doesn't have a New York accent. He talks like Jackie Chan. Um, so, so what I'm getting at here, and you may already can tell, is this removes all of the Japanese elements from the story. Um, and, and to me, it's a weird whitewashing that I don't see anybody talking about. Um, one of the things I love about the Ninja Turtles is the Japanese elements to it. Hamato, essentially the four turtles are pulled into this long feud between Hamato Yoshi and Oroku Saki, Splinter and Shredder. And that's the, that's the crux of the whole thing. And so to me, it works better when the rat was Hamato Yoshi because he had a human feud with Oroku Saki and they carry this over into Shredder and Splinter. Uh, that, that feud between these two Japanese men who have this rivalry um, is sort of the crux, the backbone of the Ninja Turtles story. And by making S- Splinter just simply a rat who lived in New York City, uh, it removes all the Japanese elements, not to mention Jackie Chan's not Japanese, um, very famously not Japanese. Right. Um, and so this is also weird. It does remove the Japanese nature, the Eastern uh, nature of it. And so now, you know, if you want to go into that Eastern mysticism and, you know, go into, you know, like uh, the, the, the ninja, I mean, it, it makes sense, right? That like, you're, they're ninja turtles because their master is a master of ninjutsu mm-hmm. um, from Japan right. um, and, and an immigrant. Um, like all of this is is great story, right? Um, and and all of that's kind of lost here. So the way they explain it here is this rat becomes a man and one day the turtles are kind of babies and Splinter decides – like they're obsessed with uh, – the human world. So Splinter decides to take them up to the surface and and he takes them up there and they don't get treated very well. They're like, oh my gosh, it's a giant muted, mutated rat and turtles. And so they run back into the sewers and Splinter says, we have to defend ourselves. So using old Kung Fu movies and books and stuff, they all learn ninjutsu together. Um, and no, no explanation is given as to why uh. their names are after after renaissance painters which again it's all a ridiculous concept when you say it like well why didn't they name them after renaissance painters but like they always like every origin story tries to explain that i don't think you have to and that's fine but it is a little bit weird that like you took the eastern the eastern stuff out of the film like there's no no more japanese anything 
And now they also don't talk about the Renaissance thing. It's like you're sweeping everything under the rug. Um, and so because like one of the one of the things in, in the original like 90s films, they were like, well, why did you name them after Renaissance painters? And Splinter's like, you know, I found a book in the sewers and that's what I was reading. And like, it's just what what happened to be, you know, in the sewers in New York City. I may be a master of ninjutsu, but I'm also really into art. I love art. <laughs> I love it and so much. I named my four sons after painters. Correct. Correct. Um, so, you know, it's weird, but like, yeah, it, it, I don't have a problem with a lot of the lore changes and there's a lot more than that. Believe me. I don't, I don't want to talk about any of it because it doesn't bother me. Just a quick, a quick, uh, I'm looking at the, the a section about this very topic here mm. there. It says the writers wanted to create their own version of turtles lore Mm-hmm. And did not take all elements from previous iterations into account. Roe explained that they aimed to, quote, make it more logical and skated past a lot of things, quote, to make it really operate from a place of character and relatability. Yes. I mean, there's something to be said for making a, a property your own and, and doing your own lore. And that's great. And and like I said, there are a ton of lore changes in this that I don't want to talk about because I don't frankly care. Like you made the change. Okay, that's fine. But but that I do kind of buck up against because I'm like that again, it's the to me, the crux of the story is this is the story of four sons carrying on a feud that their father started or didn't start, but was was involved in when he was a Japanese man before he immigrated to America. Like that's a huge that's a big story. You know, it it makes it like, you know, decades old, this decades old blood feud um, and and it makes Shredder more menacing because Shredder, like the second Shredder finds out that these are the progeny of of Hamato Yoshi, like, yeah, I'm going to take them down. Right. Because this is my old rival. And um, just like the turtles are green, they're they're also very Japanese. And and I think removing the Japanese nature of it. I think weakens the story a little bit. Um, it closes doors. Like it closes, it closes doors, it closes yeah. doors for like, if you want to put shredder in future movies, like you've removed that connection and you have to, you, I mean, I'm sure you could think of a new one, but it's just you like, have to but, rewrite it. But, yeah. but why, why do that voluntarily right off the bat? You could, you could have it there already. Like, right. Yeah. You know. And I guess the thought is, well, it's been done. And I'm like, well, yeah, but, <laughs> hey buddy if it's been a done lot. don't make the fucking movie okay yeah 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 if you don't if you're not passionate about that part of the story yeah. then you don't need to make if, the movie if we're hung up on what's been done before you're in the wrong business pal you're in the wrong business <laughs> you're in the fucking movie right. business buddy that's exactly right um so Ugh. yeah man i i don't know it's weird but like that that really kind of that threw me um in terms of the story like i do think the story is fine and that's why a lot of the lore changes do work for me because they work within the context of this story. Um, so the story is um, the film begins with Baxter Stockman, who is a scientist who never had a family. And so he really wants to create his own family. And so what he does is he takes these animals uh, like animal embryos and merges them with the ooze to create mutant basically offspring. Like these are, these are my children. Um, we're going to live together, you know, all of us. And so, um, but the, the 
an evil shadow organization comes in and kills Baxter Stockman. And this is all opening scene. And uh, and the all of his offspring mutants get away. And then we, you know, flash forward and blah, blah, blah. And so the whole the whole premise is the turtles really want to find their place above the sewers and splinter wants to keep them below the sewers because he 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 doesn't trust the humans he doesn't like the humans it's really played as like this racist kind of thing like splinter's really prejudiced and whatever that's fine um uh, minus actual like racism from humans to a japanese man well yeah yes correct and so um so the turtles um they eventually find out that they are able to um, fight crime. And so with the help of April O'Neil, a, a, a new friend, they decide to track down a gangster in, in New York called the Superfly. And the Superfly is um, this big gangster who's stealing a lot of parts to, you know, uh, different scientific equipment. And he's planning something. And so the turtles must, you know, find him, stop him bring him to justice. And in their mind, then all of New York will love them and they will be able to tell Splinter, look, we can go above, above the sewers because they like us now. <laughs> and so that in, in a, in a child's mind, in a 13 year old turtle's mind, 15 year old turtle's mind, that makes sense, right? Like all we have to do is save the world and they'll love us and we can do whatever we want. We'll be celebrities. We'll be popular. We'll be all these things. And so that's kind of the crux of the story, but it brings in themes of like, you know, how uh, finding belonging amongst peers and like-minded individuals. And, and, and then also, um, uh, again, just prejudice and, and the idea that Splinter hates the humans and the humans hate the mutants and this whole, you know, back and forth kind of thing. Um, and so there's a lot going on here. And I think, I think a lot of it really works. Um, and, um, so within the context of the story, the, the idea that all of these, all these creatures like Bebop and Rocksteady and, uh, and Wingnut and Scumbug and all of these, you know, classic, uh, Mondo Gecko, all these classic, um, uh, uh, Turtles villains were created by Baxter Stockman. I mean, that's new. That's not, that's not part of the lore. Um, but it works within the context of this film. Um, and, and I don't mind it. Um, so, all in all, like the story works, the voices for the turtles and the the teenage angle is great. I don't love the removal of the Japanese culture um, influences. And the last thing that I want to talk about that, that's a big detractor for me is I, I really don't like the character designs here for anybody who isn't a, a turtle. Mm. Um, I, I think, I, I guess maybe some of the villains are, are okay. Um, some of the other mutants, but uh, but they don't hold a candle to their original designs. And then, and then like splinter in this is like kind of chubby and like, you know, overweight and whatever. And I'm just not like, that's not what I, I hate to say. Like, that's not what I'm used to, but it's like, but it's really a part of his character that he's like this fit ninja guy. Right. Like they said that they um, based his design on Danny DeVito. Okay. That's a mistake. <laughs> yeah. He should have been based on Ken Watanabe or really Toshiro Mifune, if we're being honest. I don't like the character design for Splinter. I don't like the character design for April. I don't like the character design for any human character in the film. They all look kind of gross. Mm-hmm. And the world itself 
looks kind of gross. Um, so the animation's great, and the design for the turtles are great. Everything else I do not like. The, the, it seems like they were really going for, uh, from what I'm reading here about the design, about the character design, it seems like they are trying too hard to stick to like anatomically correct mm. animals. Like that mm. says they didn't want to make Leatherhead look too muscular, but rather very much like what an actual alligator would look like if it stood on two legs. Yeah. But, but they don't. And this is animation. You don't have to do that. You don't, you don't have to do that. Um, <laughs> Leatherhead's not one of the ones that bothered me, but like, but every human extra and every human character that they interact with, it's like, I believe it's like the left side of their faces are all off. Like their <laughs> eyes are not level and their mouth is crooked and like they're all kind of like lopsided and weird, weird. and every, and every building is and every car is like they're all lopsided to the left. It's like this really weird stylistic thing and it just makes the world, I think, kind of look a little unappealing. And so I don't want the turtles world to look cutesy. Right. And like the 87 animated series, it looks very like clean. I don't need that, but I do need like it to look like to have appeal. Right. Like there's, there's a part where Leonardo sees April O'Neil for the first time. And granted, she is one of the better human designs, but I still don't care for it. And he's, it's like one of those moments where like she takes off her, her helmet from her bike or whatever. And, and he's like, it's like a slow motion, like, oh, most beautiful girl I've ever seen kind of moment. Sure. And I'm just like, yeah, but the character design is kind of unappealing. Um, again, she's she's one of the better ones, but all of the human characters have an unappealing design. Um, they almost look less human than the non-human. Like, they almost look more mutated than the mutants do mm. in a weird way. And so it, it's it's a very weird mixed bag of like, I like a lot of this, but it's unappealing to look at. And I think that's a that's a mistake. Um and um and then the last thing I'll say, like this is a straight up comedy, pretty much. I mean there's action in it, but it's mostly a comedy. And that's fine. I mean that's what you expect from, you know, uh, Rogan and, and Goldberg, but like it, it has a weird reliance on gross out humor, uh, which, which when coupled with the unappealing world and character designs kind of leaves me feeling like a little bit grossed out, like a little icky about the whole thing. And so as much as I, I like the story, as much as I like the turtles, I really wish they hadn't gone with that gross out type of humor. Like, you know, there, there's a moment where Splinter talks about like eating a cockroach and stuff. And, and like, there were kids in my, in my screening that like all, every time there's one of those gross out moments, they loved it. You know, it was like, Oh, um, uh, puke, look, that character's throwing up, you know? And it's like, okay, <laughs> but for me, this whole thing is unappealing. And now you're telling me this gross out humor is funny. It's really not funny. Yeah. I, I don't know. The whole thing makes me feel icky. Um, gross out humor has a place. Yeah. But, but I don't but think it, it's done well here. And it feel, and it, again, from what I'm reading here, it feels like that's just the one, it, that's one of those personal things for, for the writers and the producers and the director. Like we wanted to harken back to when like gross out humor was like the humor of the day. Sure. It's like like the garbage pail kids. Yeah. And, but you're making sure. a film in 2023 and yeah. you sort of need to think about your audience a little bit. Like, yeah. Yeah. 
it, it, it might make sense if like the film itself was set in 1988 or whatever when it, the garbage pail exactly. kids were were big um and like okay sure maybe but <laughs> but even then it's like yeah I don't know. You know what? I hadn't thought about that, but I guess that's a good point. Like that gross out humor was kind of in vogue at that point. Yeah. And so I guess that makes some sense, but, and and especially like maybe if they're writing this and like hearkening back to their childhood and saying like, well, what did we laugh at then? Okay, sure. I get it. Um, but I do feel like it's a misstep here. Um, and again, kids liked it. I'm out of the demographic. So fine. Y'all can like it. Yeah. But, but for me, it made the gross out humor and the unappealing world and character designs made the whole thing f- have like a bad taste in my mouth, even though I liked a lot about it. And so it's a weird mixed bag in that way. Um, so I'm interested in what maybe other parents think about this or what Kellen, who's an animation guru, you know, can what he'll think about this. Yeah. Um, and um, because, again, the animation is great. Like, I have no complaints about the animation whatsoever. And even the style, it's just the designs. It's just the character designs. If you if you use the exact same, like one of the beautiful things about Spider-Verse is is the animation is great. And every design of every character has appeal. Yeah. And, and, a, and appeal is a hard thing to try to, like, quantify. Because obviously you're not talking about like what's cute or what even is like traditionally attractive. We're talking more about like, does this design work from an artistic perspective in that it has balance and a, and a good composition and a good silhouette and and all of these things, like a good color, color palette, like all of these things go towards creating a good appealing character. And again, Kellen would know more about this than I do. But um but I feel like that was severely lacking here. And it makes sense then that the four turtles had good character design because they kind of don't change their design from what has worked in the past. Yeah. It's everything that they changed that doesn't work. Three and a half ish stars for me. Um, you know, four, if, if we're just looking at story, I do, I do like it. I think it's a, got a good lesson for kids. If you're going to take your kids to it, I would recommend older kids. There's maybe, there maybe a little too much profanity in here for like a five-year-old, but like at the same time, like five-year-olds aren't really watching Ninja Turtles. Like that's more of a, you know, 10 to 12 year old thing. Right. Like, I guess, um, <laughs> I don't know. And I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I was, I was really young into the, cause turtle started in 87, the cartoon and I was born in 89 and I was, I remember when my brother was born in 94. Um, and it's funny, I told this story to Rob Paulson when I, when I met Rob Paulson, uh, when my brother was born in 1994, uh, I remember my parents taking me to the hospital and, um, and, or I'm sorry, my grandparents taking me to the hospital because my parents had just given, my mom had just given birth to my brother. And so I go into the the hospital room. Like, I remember this. Like, I remember this. This isn't what I've been told. I remember this. I go into the hospital room. My mom's in the bed having just given birth. She's got my brother in her arms. And I really didn't care <laughs> because... At that time, the Ninja Turtles was on television. Yeah. And so I remember my mom putting on Ninja Turtles on the hospital television and me sitting at the foot of her hospital bed and watching Ninja Turtles because I cared more about the Ninja Turtles than my brother just being born behind me. Just in complete denial of your sibling. I certainly love my brother now more than the Ninja Turtles, but I'm just saying at that moment, uh, 
the Ninja Turtles were super important to me. And yeah, they do appeal to kids. It's a strength, like a, some weird stranglehold on kids. And um, so I don't know, maybe five-year-olds are watching this, in which case I think probably the gross out humor is a little inappropriate and uh, and the profanity is a little inappropriate, but whatever. I mean, that's, it is what it is. So um, yeah, man, uh, I do recommend you see it. I don't think it needs to be seen on the big screen. Um, mm. but I mean, if you have a matinee or really wanted to take the kids to it, great. Um, the good news is it's a Nickelodeon property, so it's going to be on Paramount plus, um, and they have already greenlit a sequel to this as well as a, uh, a, a mini series, which will release on Paramount plus exclusively and bridge the gap between the first two films. Um, so here we are. The movie's not out yet. They've already greenlit a sequel. What, what a time to be alive, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know who's going to staff and write and work on this, on these things. It's a great <laughs> question right now, but, um, it's a great question. Hey, it doesn't, it's not going to stop a studio from making release dates and that's correct. Just out of, out of fairy dust. That is correct. <laughs> it, I literally think sometimes they just sit there with a calendar yeah. and they just like pay, play pin the tail on the donkey yeah. and like stick, stick a needle in it and go, there it is. That's our date. October 7th. They're just like, Oh Christ, empty space. No. <laughs> no. Wait, what does Disney have on that date? Yeah, Nothing? Exactly. That's ours. That's ours. We want that one. Did you see, by the way, and, and who knows what's gonna happen by the time because this is, I'm gonna put this out um a week after the film comes out. But mm. today I read that um Dune, I think Dune is taking all of the IMAX screens, like they have IMAX exclusivity for their release. And so now really? the Marvels is like maybe can't screen in IMAX theaters. Wow. <laughs> and that, that's hilarious to me because I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure the Marvels had the release date first. I'm not positive. Wow. But like one, maybe, maybe they didn't because they kept, yeah, yeah. they kept delaying it. Sure. But two, I'm pretty sure that Dune didn't even get announced. Into, anyways, the point is, I like to think that Disney like got the spot and like, oh, sure, so what? Dune's going to be out. That's fine. Yeah. And then someone said, hey, by the way, you didn't like reserve exclusivity for the IMAX and Warner oh. Brothers did. So yeah. you can't be there at all now. And there's like, oh, fuck, Lord. what? <laughs> no. <laughs> I wonder how you do that. I guess, do you have to film your, your, your movie on IMAX in order to, and I, I would, if I, if I were in charge of IMAX, that would be my decision. Yeah. Like, well, wait, we want exclusive. Did you shoot an IMAX? Well, no, we're just going to scale it up. No. Nope. No, nope. sorry. This nope. is Dune shot. Sorry. It, so this is Denis Villeneuve yep. says no. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Christopher Nolan says no. Yeah. We but, here at IMAX only support Denis and Chris. That's yeah, it. Because they are solely holding up our business. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> that is correct. Uh, Th- them in every science museum in the country. It's, 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 it's very interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's weird to ha- to see all this. Like, oh, it's 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 getting good reviews. It's probably going to do well. Let's let's go ahead and 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 just sync, you know, scheduling and resources. And I'm sure a certain amount of, I'm well, not currently, but a certain amount of like writing and pre production on these other things. Like, yeah, yeah. It's so it's it's weird because like I don't know that I would do anything differently if I were Paramount. Yeah, but. I can't help, but my reaction is just. (sighs) It's like, it's overwhelming to think like, am I going to have to watch all this? Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
it's it's funny. So tired um, of it. It's like at the same time I heard about that that they had greenlit the sequel and the miniseries, and at the same time I also heard like photos had leaked from the set of Sonic the Hedgehog three, and I'm like, wait, how can they film Sonic the Hedgehog three? And it's because they're shooting everything they can, yep. on, like on location without actors. Yep. And so they just literally, I looked at one of the set photos and it's just this like, uh, all the, sta- uh, all the, the character stand-ins. It, it's, it's Sonic Tails and Knuckles stand-in like <laughs> dummies standing in the middle of a forest. And I imagine like a full crew of hu- of like adult humans going like, oh yeah, get a close up on Sonic here. Yeah. And then we pull back. All right, somebody say Sonic's line really quick. Yeah. Hey, Tails, where'd you go? Okay, great. And it's, pull it back. it's Steve from Craft Services. <laughs> it's Steve from- <laughs> You want to go for a ride, Knuckles? <laughs> you see, I, I feel like if I were on that set, like you do that for three days, and then one day you're yeah. just eating lunch and you just go, um, I have a question. What the fuck are we doing? Is this movies? Yeah. Hey, are we going to have to come back to this location <laughs> when James Marsden's available? <laughs> no, we, we shot a plate yesterday, so we're just going to put them in a green. We're going to put them on a volume. Oh, Lord. No. <laughs> but seriously, uh, like, I, what do you do? I mean, it's, yeah. oh, it's so nuts. I mean, I get it. it maybe there's a significant portion of the film without human actors. And that would be great because that's what I want. But, <laughs> and, and to that end, they can, they can film to their heart's content. That would be the um, most hilarious thing to come out of that. It's the strike lasts so long. They're forced to shoot the entire film without human beings <laughs> and forced to, for forced for the, for the crew to ad lib a story. Yes. <laughs> for the, them to follow. <laughs> And it like wins best picture or whatever. Like all the fans are unanimously. It's the only film that's been released this year. There's no problems with this film. All the fans are pleased. Everyone got what they wanted. And Paramount and on studios as a whole are just like, shit, should we just like never hire actors? And like, that's it. Yep. Yep. It, what if the whole thing was just a silent movie and it, <laughs> and it was, it was just music and sound effects and like, it's just subtitled. Everything was subtitled. It's just Sonic on a train, like moving logs in front of the train. Yeah. So it can keep going like Buster Keaton. Yep. That's it. Wow. And then Ben Schwartz is like, yeah, I'm not coming back. And like, well, I'm mm-hmm. on strike, bro. And they're like, all right, well, we'll just subtitle it. I know. It's fine. <laughs> We'll, we'll just get we'll just get actors from Japan to read all of this. We'll save so much money by putting up those full screen title cards that say the dialogue. Yes, we're saving a hundred thousand dollars per every one of those things. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And what if they just animated Jim Carrey as well? It's just it's just an animated Jim Carrey. They they use a character model from The Christmas Carol. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like when 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 they approach Jim Carrey about the the AI the face replacement, they're like, "Yeah, so it'll be your likeness." And he goes, "There is no Jim Carrey." <laughs> you're like, uh, what? Sh- sure, whatever. D- do you want to okay. do this or not? Okay, Jim. How yeah. how much? How big of a check do we need to write you? Money's not real. Oh gosh. I suppose so. Okay. <laughs> Would you like to be? What 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 do you want? Can we what can we offer you? <laughs> it's funny. He does seem enigmatic that way. Like if you took a meeting with Jim, it would just be so strange. So frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> I've always thought that about like someone like Robert Downey Jr. and like yeah. and or Jim Carrey or like Johnny Depp. Like you yeah. meet with those people, you're just like, Yeah, like what do you think of like, you know, the Dallas Cowboys? And it's just like 
you you get three super abstract answers that are yeah, not right. helpful at all. It's like, God, yes. damn it. You guys are yep. so annoying <laughs> to talk to. I can't yes. relate to you as people. Yeah. Like, I love all three of those actors, but like yep. you're either going to get like mm, the Cowboys or like you get Johnny Depp's weird answer or you get like you know jim carrey's like introspective like universe uh, thing or robert downey jr's like circuitous like lot buddhist logic and you're just like yeah can you you just say yes or no do you like this or not (laughs) this is like have you ever heard the story of when richard donner met with marlon brando about playing (laughs) jor-el have you heard this i imagine it was along these lines <laughs> so, yeah so in 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 1978 uh or I, prior to that uh richard donner meets with with uh with with um marlon brando and, and he's told beforehand like hey just so you know this meeting might go a little sideways like prepare yourself for anything but like you know let's let's go in and pitch it to him mm-hmm. so they go in they pitch the whole thing like you're gonna be playing superman's father uh, on krypton you know and and you place him baby baby kal-el in the ship and he goes off to earth and that that's the extent of your role it's just the first scene like that it's the sequence of that is it and he's and he says mm, okay all right so uh, i'd be playing an alien right and they're like uh y- yes, yes yes mr brando that that is true and he goes so i could play this like a bagel oh my god and he goes what are you fucking with me? Like, <laughs> I got to play this like a bagel or a suitcase. At that point, I'm just like, you know what? This was a mistake. Uh, <laughs> Never mind, Mr. Brando. No, you're a great actor, but this is clearly I washed my a hands of your this time. conversation. <laughs> <laughs> like a bagel. I could play this like a bagel. I would sincerely be looking for a hidden camera at that point. I, 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 I would love to see, I would love to see Richard Donner like flounder after that. Like, uh, uh, well, he's a, hu- he's a human. Uh, he's just an alien. It's not food. Um, not an earth based food. Wait, so is he, am I playing an alien or am I playing a human? Wait, is he, yeah. is he an alien that looks like a human? I understand it's confusing. I, I feel like it, I would just be you, like, you know what? You're right. He's a human. He's yeah. a human. Superman's a human. You're yeah. not an alien. Just play it like it's someone's just, father. Just a human. You're just right. somebody's father. <laughs> All right. And so am I playing this like I, I'm? So I'm Superman's father. You're talking about the 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 idea of the Ubermensch. No, I'm talking about Superman. <laughs> just, the Superman. Just Superman. From DC Comics. Superman. All right. Okay. Um, right. And what is a DC Comics? Right. What's what's a, what is a comic book? I don't know if I've ever heard Marlon Brando speak. I'm interested in like the, the management and, you know, direction and guidance of creative professionals. It's part of like my job. Yeah. Yeah. I like to deal with the intersection of, you know, very structured workflows and with very creative nonlinear people. Yeah. I don't think I could ever be an actor's, well, some of these actors agent or, Mm anyone related to getting them to do things mm, because it just yeah. feels like you're just like, I, you're just dealing with you, insane people. Sometimes do you want to work. <laughs> it's like, like, it's like, I'm you, bringing you a job. Yeah. Like, I feel like most people like, you know, if you're Brian Cranston's agent, like, okay, yeah. like th- that's easy. That guy is an actor. Like it's a job. I mean, like everyone yeah. enjoys yeah. it. It's an art, but like they understand that it's a job and they need to do, but like, I feel like if you're calling you know, talking to Johnny Depp about being Grindelwald, it was just like, yeah. 
how do I make this enticing to Johnny Depp? Like, right. You know, Mr. Depp, do you need money? No. Okay. Um, do you like Uh, Harry Potter? Who? No. Okay. Um, Oh Lord. I don't, I don't know where to go. How do you feel about Warner brothers? Uh, I don't know. All right. Um, fuck. Uh, um, (laughs) you want to dye your hair and put in some eye contacts? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good job. Yeah. Do I get a trailer <laughs> full of wine? Yeah. Sure. I, if you want. Is that what you want? Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Do I play a villain? Yes. <laughs> is this a soundboard? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is what it sounds like. <laughs> Uh, you mentioned yeah, something um in relation to all this um mm. when we were talking about what we were going to do tonight the idea of of aging out of the demographic mm. I mean, yeah 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 which we talk about all the time as people sure. who are now aging out of the demographic yep yep <laughs> um, yeah because if, if you think about a lot of the things that we enjoy or have enjoyed in the yeah. past i mean they're they're generally suited to like 18 to 25 year old yeah men typically yeah man <laughs> it's a very small pool sure um but that that's generally you know what superhero movies are, are catering to um and here we are in our you know mid early 30s and it's you know that we're just we're just not in the demographic anymore and i'm certainly not in the demographic for the movie i reviewed tonight right um which is targeting a much much younger demographic um, and, and I did not see this with my son. Uh, he's not old enough to see this yet. So right. like I saw this as a grown man with grown man eyes. <laughs> I didn't even get to see this through, like live vicariously through my son watching this and enjoying it. Right. We are, we are, we're outside of the demographic and part of me looks, it looks back and goes, okay, so we're at that point, that interesting point now where like. If you ever, if you ever talk to like your, your, your father or your grandfather, or, you know, an older gentleman, they'll typically have like a show that they watch. Like for my grandfather, he watches like Andy Griffith and Gunsmoke, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's just what he watches all the time. And I often wonder, have I hit that point yet? Like where, <laughs> when, when my son has kids, they come over and I'm just binging the office still. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, am I going to do that? Am I just watching the office yeah. and breaking bad and, and Seinfeld until I die? Like, is that all I'm going to do? <laughs> and I don't know. I, I don't know, but I do, but, um, but I do know that I've aged out of the demographic for all the new things yeah. and I can hold on to the old things, even though I'm now outside of the demographic of, of those things too, just because of nostalgia. And I can say, oh, I love Spider-Man 2, even though Raimi's Spider-Man 2, I'm kind of outside of that demographic. Um, the the core demographic, right? Like all of these have like secondary demographics too, but like, yeah. you know. <laughs> Anyone yeah. with money is the secondary Anyone, demographic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If you have a pulse and can put your butt in a seat, then that that's what we want. Um, yeah, it, it's it's funny that, that we're at that point, but... Um, is there anything that you've seen recently that you've you've not latched on to like you thought you would and you think that's because of that demographic issue? Mm. I, there, there, there's a lot. I mean, I got to say there's there's a lot. I mean, I'm, I, I do watch things and I'm just like. It's either that. 
I feel like it's been so diluted in terms of quality, whether it's some of the Marvel shows or some of the Star Wars shows, where it's like, this is like a facsimile of something mm-hmm. I like, yeah, um, yeah. but it doesn't feel like it has enough energy to be something I like. Mm-hmm. Or it's, or yeah, I'll watch something and go, good Lord, like, is this what people like now? Is this what people yeah. want now? Like, we yeah. were watching, and what were we watching? We were watching something. Um, and my wife said that it felt like my wife, it was Sorry. okay. It was Barbie. So last week mm. we released the Barbie episode, uh, as you're listening to this. And she said, there's a part in it. There's like a musical number, Brian Gosling, and then all the Ken's and stuff. And so she said, we got to that point and they're doing like these dances. And she said, and I felt like it was kind of like catering to like TikTok stuff. And I did sincerely argue, like, I didn't get that impression at all. I got the mm. impression that that was more of like a an older reference, like an old Hollywood type of thing. Sure. Um, I don't think that was, but it got me thinking, like, there's so much stuff in movies these days. Like, I imagine 20 years from now to see much more of, you know, 20, that's because then there'll be a new thing. But like yep. five years from now, watching a movie in which not only do I not think that the characters resemble at all the property they're based on that I know yeah. Yeah. like there'll be like a Dragon Ball Z movie or something, but there will be, it'll be filled with jokes and references that are not jokes because yeah. we can't make jokes anymore because we're not allowed to, we're not allowed to be funny and we're not allowed to be even f- halfway mean spirited. Um, yeah you know, we can't, we can't, we can't joke about anything. We can't, we can't, um, uh, um, address anything. So every joke is either physical comedy, uh, gross out humor, like puking, uh, and farting. Um, or it is based on memes and TikTok challenges that only people who are on social media will understand. Yeah. And I feel like that's where a lot of movies are going where it's just, we don't have to write anything. We just have to like look at what people enjoy and then put that in a movie. Yeah. An example of this in an otherwise great film is Black Panther. There's the what are those joke. Mm, and that was yeah, yeah. and that was based on some social media shit. Yeah. yeah Whatever. Yeah. I don't even know what platform in 2018 because it wasn't TikTok, but it was something. It was a thing. Yeah. And yeah. I laughed because it was strange, but I could tell I didn't understand the joke. And I found out later, like, oh, it's like a meme. I was like, mm. fuck all. Like, okay, come yeah, on. Yeah, don't yeah. do that. Yeah. Like, that's so, st- yeah. I don't know. Anyways. Yeah. I, I feel, and it makes me feel like a crotchety old man as I talk about why I think these things are unacceptable as mm. art because yeah. they're just shallow references and not jokes or writing. Well, well, this is, this is why I hated, uh, I've got two in mind. Um, this is why I hated the, the line in no way home when Norman says, I'm something of a scientist myself, right? Because that's right. become a meme. Right. Right. And, and also the line from, uh, uh the flash, uh, when Batman says, you want to get nuts, let's get nuts. Right. And I'm like, that's not a meme, but that's just a reference. There's right. no punchline there. What am I supposed to feel when I hear him say that? Am I supposed yeah. to feel excited because he said the thing? Yeah. Or you're supposed to be taken straight out of the film and reminded uh, that this is Michael Keaton. vastly f- superior film. Right. <laughs> Yes. Like the question is, so if we stick with Marvel as an example, right? Sure. Um, 
has phase four and beyond been kind of lackluster because they've they're now uh doing a poor job of hitting their target demographic or because we've moved on and they're still hitting their target demographic right which is it um, right. or or is that not the problem at all i think the problem is still lazy writing yes but, but is is that part of the problem um that we've aged out of it or, or that it it hasn't aged with us or that it has and therefore feels different. Um, you know, I don't know. I think it's, oh boy, that is hard. That's, that is the question. It, it, it comes down to like, yeah, what do you, what do you believe? Is it, have we, have we, because you can't complain about movies not appealing to you mm. if they're not meant to appeal to you. Yeah. My wife will argue this all the time. Like it's a kid's movie and I'll always yeah. argue back Right, but they should appeal to everyone. Yeah. A good movie appeals to everyone. There are plenty of it, kids' movies that adults love. Yeah, I, I, it can be done. Right. I mean, we, uh, my kid, my daughter and I were talking about Rango the other day because, which I know yeah. you don't love as much as I do, but like, she's like, yeah. "Yeah, Rango's fun." I was like, "I think Rango is great." And 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 there's, I think pl- Inside Out is brilliant. Inside Out's great. How to Train Your Dragon is great because it's not yeah. just ooh dragons and jokes and fire and you know yeah fart jokes and stuff. It's like, this is a story and this is a really great score. And there's Mm -hmm. subtlety in this writing. There's an arc, there's stuff happening here. That's more than just an entertainment for kids. And that to me is like entertainment is such a low bar. You're shoving an animated film at a kid. It's going to be hard to bore them unless it's like, you know, the way that Marlon Brando would have it done, you know, (laughs) bagels and stuff. Yes. Correct. But like, it's real easy to entertain people, but to make something that goes beyond that and entertains older people with sharper sensibilities and more life experience, that yeah. that's harder. And that's always appreciated when that's, when you're able to do that. Well, we, as a culture, we're far more hung up on the idea of, does it hold up now than we ever yes. have been? And, and you would think that what that would then do is strive, it was like make writers strive to have their work hold up. Yeah. Right. So like, there's, t- there's a ton of movies. I could name a dozen of them that I loved as a kid that I- I'm not really going to watch anymore. Right. But there are, there are a lot of them that I loved that I am going to continue to watch. And they're g- genuinely great movies, yes. right? The Lion King is a genuinely great movie. I yes. loved it as a kid. I still love it. Jurassic Park, loved it as a kid. First Parts of the it. Caribbean film. Yeah. Love it as a kid. Yep. Still great. Yep. And, and they hold up. What has been coming out lately is 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 hardly fine for now yes (laughs) is it going to be okay in 20 years when these kids grow up and they look back on it and say yeah it didn't really hold up yeah i do wonder like there's a part of me and it's such a low stakes worry but like (laughs) it's it should be like 40th on my list of worries about my kids and their life Mm. experience sure I, i do worry a lot about are they going to grow up thinking that shitty things are good? Like I really worry about that <laughs> yeah. because that somehow yeah. disturbs me to my core that yeah. they'll grow up and be like, like they'll be like as a 25 year old being like, I think Kokomel is the best thing that's ever been created. It's like, yeah, like I, right. I, I liked it more than Godfather. It's like, ugh, okay. 
Like uh, and you it's, uncultured swine. Right. And you just, and I think it's because <laughs> maybe there's a little bit of like, there's too much of my identity and my investment wrapped up in the things that they like because sure. it somehow reflects my ability to communicate that to them. And to but, curate good art. But it's yeah. more just like, I just find it a huge, like I can understand if like someone like doesn't, agree a hundred percent on which like a which marvel movie is the best one or whatever sure. like whatever that's yeah, opinion yeah. but like when you come to me and say i think my favorite marvel movie is like the, the second thor film mm. then i go i don't understand why you think that like i can yeah, yeah, i yeah. could even understand if you think captain marvel is the best marvel film all right sure like Maybe that, sure. maybe, maybe the, that appeals to you for very obvious reasons, you know? Sure. But like, I don't see how bad writing or anything intrinsic in the movie, like the only, the only way you can tell me that a bad movie is your, like your favorite movie is if there's some superficial quality you're stuck on. Like you really yeah. love his costume or yeah. like you, you really love London you know, yeah, like stuff right. like that. Like, uh, right. but, but then that's on you. You don't love the movie. You love one thing yeah. about the movie a lot. Yeah. And I, 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 I you're like, my mom also died. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, my mom was killed by a dark elf also. <laughs> <laughs> I relate to Thor in so many ways. <laughs> the dark elf was my stepdad. <laughs> <laughs> my brother's a shapeshifter. It's yeah. Like, it's, I'm, it's like I'm Thor. He also faked his own death. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of things. And my dad's also Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> <laughs> my dad has a one eye. Yeah, I when it comes to Marvel, I, I think that I do believe it's more of they are failing to please their I I, I still think you and I are the demographic for Marvel because yeah. it is built on it, it was built on our audience. Sure. Everything that's happening now is built on our audience and they have not tried or not succeeded to bring in a new audience with their new stuff. Um, and it's, it's hard to do that because it's so tied to the old stuff. And I mean, I think we know the problem with Marvel. The problem with Marvel right now is they're doing too much. They're trying to expand too fast and there's not quality control. And either because there can't be, like they either scaled up an existing model where Kevin Feige reviews everything and says, that's not good. That's not good. Try something else. So they either scaled up to that model and it certainly can't happen because that's impossible or something else, or they don't care. Something's going on, but I feel like shows are being created and written and shot and edited faster than they ought to be. That's the yep. broad diagnosis. And I don't think there's a soul who could argue like, no, that's not the problem. The problem is something else. It's the act. It's, it's not that it is. There's, yep. there's too much yeah. uh, because of Disney plus. I, I agree. I think that maybe it's a little going back to our question, our thesis, maybe it's a little bit of both, right? Like maybe they've tried to age up yeah. as their audience has aged and matured. But they're also still hanging on to the old audience, mm-hmm. the old age audience, which therefore means they're both chasing now 30 year olds and current 18 year olds. 
And, yes. and, and what, what a 30 year old and an 18 year old want are two different things, especially when the 18 year old has not followed the whole thing, the whole saga and right. the 30 year old has that alone will make our, our objectives different from project to project, but also the stage we are in life asks questions that an 18 year old isn't going to ask. Yes. Like an 18 year old isn't going to ask, okay, well, but what if Thor is now a dad? How does he, how does he handle that situation? Right? So now what the next time Thor shows up, I'm expecting to see that girl. Right. Right. And I expect that he is a now a father. And, and that's, you know, that's the expectation of it. an 18 year old may not have that expectation because that's not what they want. Right. So Marvel's now stuck between a rock and a hard place in trying to please me and an 18 year old. And there's no logical way to do that. And the only way I can think this is a bad example and forgive me because I know you liked this and I haven't seen it. So I can't really talk about it, but that's maybe how you end up with she Hulk twerking. Right. Is is the idea that, well, let's cater to somebody young and somebody old at the same time. And maybe it just doesn't work like that. Like maybe maybe it's you have to be broader, maybe, you know, you You have have to you have to cater. You have to leverage the right characters to the right audience like Mm. Jennifer Walters. One of the reasons I love She-Hulk is because I think Jennifer Walters spreads the uh, covers the audience pretty well she's a Mm. she's a whatever late 20s or or a 30 something you know professional she's single so there's a lot that the younger audience can relate to with her because in her because because the kind of character she is a lawyer very professional very high standards with her personal life and stuff so like that explains why character her age is sort of in the same life cycle as someone 10 times younger than her because that's that's sort of where her that's that's her personality Mm. um while also feeling like a mature person who doesn't make stupid mistakes um and or 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 dumb choices that someone with less life experience does so Mm. i like jennifer walters because she feels like a real person uh an actual real human being but that doesn't have to be what i need tony stark to be or thor to be at this point Mm in their development. So I think that if Marvel leveraged new characters and let the new characters sort of speak for the younger audience Mm. and the older characters who are still around, let them mature. Mm. You can do a lot as long as you leverage the best thing about this universe, which is the ensemble Mm. and you let projects feature characters like in the next Thor movie, I don't, I agree. Like if, if it's just Thor and you know, his, his adopted daughter, I don't know that that might appeal to you and I, if they do it right. But what about the new people? Well, you got to have the other characters who are the, the new people are, are there to latch onto. And you have to have, yeah. you have to, you, you have to include everybody. It's got to include everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I think you're right though. I th- the, 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 it's a unique problem. The, the universe, the properties, all these stories have, have lasted for so long that the audience is now 15 years older and you have a problem with retention almost, yeah. you know, yeah. what, how do you, how do you keep, <laughs> I'll say it in the business way. Cause that's what it is to a lot of these people. How do you, how do you retain customers and then bring on new customers? Yeah. How do you keep the, your existing customers happy? 
Yep. So yeah. Uh, oh boy. That's, that's the question, but it's really hard being in this stage, uh, because we, in many ways, probably not always, but in many ways we think of ourselves as still pretty young Yeah, and it feels weird to, to feel young and simultaneously in this way, feel like the entertainment industry is done with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, it doesn't need you. It doesn't want your dollars. The minute you start having kids and going to movies less, they're like, nope. Yeah, you know? it's not for you. <laughs> not for you anymore. Well, and that, and that's the thing. Like, yeah, I, I still feel young. Um, and, and the things that I'm into. Yes. Are young. Yeah. Like they skew young. And like, you know, just like there are people out there who are really into, you know, uh, horror movies and whatever. I'm I'm kind of really into like superhero and family movies. I yeah. don't know why. I just am. And like but that that squarely puts me outside the realm of the target demographic at a certain point. And so that's that's what's weird is like me coming to it and going, okay, you know, Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Um uh yeah, I, I there's not a lot there for me to like challenge me or make me feel like, oh I learned something. I now understand, but I can also at the same point, look at the same time, look at it and go, this is a really good message for kids to hear. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's a message about prejudice It's a message about, you know, trying too hard to be popular or whatever. Like this, they, they, they handled this really well. And so I can almost look at it from like a perspective of like critiquing your message to kids and is, is it sufficient? Is it relevant? Right. Or, you know, uh, the last Sonic the Hedgehog movie. By all accounts, the, these aren't necessarily great movies, but I can look at that one and go, look, I would have loved that as a kid, and yes. I can see how kids today would really love that movie. And and you know what? It really would have brought me a lot of joy to have seen this when I was 12. Yeah. So I'm I'm just going to let it be, and like I have no faults with it. And, and it's the same with Mario. It's the same with all these things that I, I, I watch them and I just go, yeah, it's not made for me, but if I can still enjoy it in some way and find that you, that you're telling a worthwhile story, even if it doesn't super connect with me because, you know, Mario isn't a dad. Yeah, duh. But I didn't expect him to be. All I needed from a Mario movie was for you to tell a solid story that I can go, you thought about this. You wrote it well. The dialogue is great. The pacing is great. The structure is great. The story's great and it tells a great message for kids and that's all it needs to be. And I can almost view it as like an impartial observer, um, uh, as impartial as a super fan can be. And like, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just weird. It's just weird, you know, to, to, to be as invested as we are in these properties, but have them not necessarily be invested in us anymore. At the same time, I welcome it. Like the the, the less yeah. the less you hook me into your expanded universe of content, yeah. the more yeah. time I have to just watch stuff I I'm actually interested in. that we want to. <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. Like you know, uh, yeah. There, there's this Knuckles show coming out on Paramount Plus, right? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll watch it. But at the end of the day, I'm also like, eh, I, I would have been okay without it. I think you know, yeah. like. I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, it's just a weird thing. I also find myself, and this is partially, like, I think this is, is somewhat related at least that like my most anticipated movies now, I don't really anticipate them very much. 
Like it used to be that like I would I'd had I had my list of movies and I was like, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to see these. These are going to be great. I'm going to love them. And now I'm just like, yeah, cool. Yeah, I I keep saying this on the show. I'm I'm really excited for Dune Part Two. Yeah, and that's like yeah. the only thing I can think of that like resembles what it used to feel like to look forward to a movie. Sure. You know, and I don't even have high expectations for it. Like I have pretty high expectations because I liked, I loved Dune and I loved Denis Villeneuve. And so I'm, I'm confident that it will be worth my time. Yeah. I, (laughs) I I worry more that the studio will force terrible decisions on the film that make it not as good. Yeah. Yeah. More than I worry that the movie like as, as a film is bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I more worry these days about like, OK, even even when there's good things, who's going to ruin it? Who's who's going to ruin it eventually? Like we talked about this yeah. with John Wick, like is Lionsgate going to ruin this by like making more of these and forcing them to make more yeah. of these? Or yeah. uh, who's 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 going to ruin? <laughs> it's like musical chairs, like eventually the, the, the music stops and you got nowhere to sit. <laughs> well, well, this is, this is what I said after, after breaking bad was done and they were announced better call Saul. Yes. And then when they announced El Camino, I just kept going, how many more times can you roll this dice and come up a winner? I know. Like at a certain point, it's going to be a real stinker. Yeah. And, and they've done it three times now, specifically them. And it's been fine. But then every so often somebody goes, you know, sh- should they do any more better uh, breaking bad <sighs> stuff? And I'm like, no, 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 you cannot do it. For I, I am, I implore you, don't do it because you cannot do it a fourth time. And and I don't know. And this is like a cause like a much bigger discussion of like how do you have a business structure exist that doesn't depend on <laughs> money, <laughs> continual <laughs> yeah. money to yeah. be coming in. Yeah. Like, how do you convince studios to say no to money? Yeah. yeah. And I don't know that you, I don't know. Like, is this yeah. just what entertainment is? Like, I know that there's some people who are like, you know, we can, we can, we can bring it back to how it was. Can yeah. we? Can, 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 cause I don't know. Yeah. It seems to me that it's less and less likely the big studios like Warner Brothers and Disney and Universal are going to make movies that appeal to you and me more yeah. one, because the demographic has always aged out. Like in the whole time, the whole of cinema, it, there's always been a point where older people go, all right, this is, I'm, I'm not into this. Like, you know, for one reason yeah. or another, like this doesn't cater to me and yeah. that'll happen. What you and I can hope for is that independents and smaller studios keep making stuff that at least is interesting to us. Yeah. But, and, and we just have to take solace in owning hard copies of things we love and yeah. watching those over and over again until we die. Yeah. It'll be our gun smoke. Yes. I, I, um, I also think this is another weird wrinkle, not, not to, you know, harp on how old we are, but, <laughs> but we're about to get into the area where we're going to see a live action Superman film where we are older than the actor playing Superman. It'll be the first time yeah. in our lifetime that this is the case. Um, I, I think about this a lot. I was telling my yeah. wife the other day, I said, you know, it's crazy. I'm older than Margot Robbie. Are we really? I yes. didn't know that. She's okay. 33. Oh, interesting. And okay. I was like, just think about that for a second. Like 
Yeah. Like I'm, I'm sitting here in this house doing whatever yeah. I do for a living yeah. and living my life. Yeah. And somebody my age or like Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift is our age. Yeah. And the idea that those people have in, in many ways more, but like time-wise just as yeah. much life experience as we do. Yeah. As young 30 somethings. Yeah. You know, again, not Margot Robbie, but like probably, you know, grew up with like the same options for entertainment that we did. The same movies were out or not out. Same TV shows were on TV. Like in theory, I ought to be able to relate to Taylor Swift or Margot Robbie super well because we're all the same age. Sure. And and it's weird that and that's just a weird thing about like celebrity. It's just like the older you get and the more you the more the famous people that you see in movies are your age or younger. Yeah. You feel old, but you also just go, good Lord, like, it's just weird. Like, now I'm going to, like, comment on this person's performance or whatever, and you feel all yeah. of a sudden, like, you simultaneously you have more authority to, like, this 24-year-old actress, uh, you know, yeah, maybe. I don't know about that performance. And then yeah. you also go, like, oh, well, I don't know. What do I know? I'm, <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know. This must be how it feels to be, like, you know 48 years old and and watching college football yes and and you're like yay go 19 year old as you run across that field and that's the thing do 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 people get vicarious about actors at that point you know i i'm I'm sure at some point we'll be watching you know we'll be like 45 watching whoever this new wolverine is in his 10th appearance as this new wolverine yeah and i'm gonna sit there and looking at his muscles going Good for him. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> yeah. I already, I already do that for Hugh Jackman. I just sure. Go, Good for him. Good for That's him. That's great. But like, can yep. you imagine like someone our age when you and I are like, you know, we're 40 pounds fatter Yeah, and, yep. and someone, and someone our age is up there just like looking shredded and yeah. you're just like, Oh, I'm in such terrible shape. <laughs> this all right, Daniel Radcliffe. Same age as me. Yeah, exactly. Wolverine. He, it's going to be him. We all know it's going to be him, Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's the right height. He really is. He's the right That's height. That's what everybody says. Yes. I, but he doesn't have the... I mean, I I don't know. He doesn't... Ha- he, he doesn't strike me as uh, grizzled enough. I totally buy Daniel Radcliffe. As- really? Yes. As Wolverine? I, I would, if they cast him, I I would, I would buy it. Hi, just, I'm Wolverine. Just, re- yeah, hello. <laughs> hello, I'm Wolverine. I love being a Wolverine. I, I love being a baby. <laughs> Nobody understands that reverence for that. I, I like to think that like, if you're Dana Radcliffe, then you were, you were told like, th- th- like that, that casting, you were probably yeah. told like, this would be a really fun departure for you because you could- yeah. You know, you've never played a character like so angry, but the only reason I don't think that would ever happen is Dan Radcliffe is in no rush to sign on to multiple films, a giant cinematic universe and have to have to be in remarkable shape for the next decade and a half of his life. I feel I look, I don't know Daniel Radcliffe, but I feel like if I were him, what what I would do Mm -hmm. is go, look. Harry Potter took up so much of my life. Mm -hmm. I will play your Wolverine. But it's going to be on my terms. I'm yes. not showing up. I'm not showing up in just any old movie. Yeah, I will sign. It, I'm not signing a multi-picture deal. 
No. I will, I, and because you know what? Robert Downey Jr. did the same thing after yep. Iron Man, after his contract was up. He yep. did one at a time. One at a time. It would wow me with the script yes. and I'll be there. And I'll be if there. If you can't do that, then I'm not going to be there. And that's exactly. I'm not, not going to work out and get sh- shredded for nothing. And, right. and like Downey Jr., I had to stay in shape, but he didn't have sure. to get shredded. No. Right. Like, but if you're playing Wolverine, yeah, you're going to have to be swole and yep. like. Yeah, it, I'm not going to do that for nothing. So, and I'm certainly not going to do it for a five minute cameo in some stupid yeah. movie that I don't have any, in any anything to do with. Where I'm so fully like, clothed, too. <laughs> right, like exactly. you're, you're going to cover it up with my with my fucking jacket. <laughs> right. I, I'm sorry. You want me to to be on set of She Hulk two and just go, hey bub, yeah. at a bar? No, I'm not doing that. Yeah. I do that. No. No. No, give me, give me something to do and I'll do it. But if you don't give me anything to do, then I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to show up in your fantastic four movie. Um, they're definitely, yeah. they're definitely going to cast someone we've never heard of, uh, in the role. Yeah. But I would really like them to cast <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. I just think it'd be good, but you know. Yeah. I don't know. If I'm, I love if, Daniel, I love Daniel Radcliffe. If it, I, he could do it, he could do it. I don't know if I see him as grizzled or he, he seems too squeaky clean, but like, I don't know. They could do it. He he's transformed himself before. If you so. look at his, if you look at his films after Harry Potter, like if you look at where his interest is, like that guy, yeah. I can see why that guy would be interested in playing Wolverine. Yeah. Like I see, yeah. the, I see the interest on his part. Yeah. I just see the business side of it as repulsive to him. Like, Oh yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. I'm no, not, doing, not that. doing that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. no, thank you. No, I'm good. <laughs> All right. Why don't we end this episode? Okay. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. All right. That's it then. We'll just do it. We'll end it. We don't have to say goodbye. That's it. It's over. It just cuts to black. What like are you doing here? You go home. Go home. <laughs> I assume, I assume you're either on your way home or on your way to work, but just go home. Yeah. Go home. Just go home. Don't do it. Don't, don't go to work. Don't do it. Tell, What's tell, the, him, tell him we said so. The minority report. He knows. Don't go home. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I always wonder what that woman, did she listen or did she go, oh, crazy bitch? <laughs> go home and tell my husband about this. Yeah. Oh, why did I go home? <laughs> exactly. She was right. <laughs> that sounds like a family guy cutaway, honestly. <laughs> it's just her standing outside her home. Why did I come home? Why did I come home? I should have listened to the woman. Ha, 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 ha.